what is up what is up you guys uh welcome i can't say welcome back because this is the first podcast but welcome to the early bird podcast it's obviously your host brody um i'm gonna apologize in advance because i am super nasally um i've been like sick for like three days and you're probably like why are you recording this right now Truthfully, I don't know. Um, I tried to record this the other day. Not tried, I did. I got like two hours of audio. And I felt like God was really showing me things after I recorded it of what maybe I missed, what I could have said, what I should have included, etc., etc. Whoa, you cannot hear that, but it is thundering so loud outside. Okay, this is really setting the, the tune, the mode for tonight. Um, Okay, so I'd like to put a disclaimer for all my future podcasts. Um, Not that this is really a disclaimer, because if you know me, you know. Um, But I am a woman of God, so most of the things I'm going to be speaking on, not even most, most likely all the things I'm going to be speaking on, um, I'm going to be speaking about them from, like, a woman of God's point of view, um, speaking about Christianity, how you can embody that in all of these topics. Um, I encourage you, if you're an unbeliever, non-believer, lost believer, confused believer, any and all things in between, to keep listening. Um, I feel like there's wisdom to be had, lessons to be learned, things to be taught, all that good stuff, despite what you believe in. Um, So yeah, I would encourage everyone to just keep listening, no matter what or where you are in your faith journey. Um... The day that you're the smartest person in the room, find a bigger room. Um, That goes for believers and non-believers and why you should keep listening or listen to things outside of your realm or belief anyways. Um, Because you can never stop learning, you know, and it's not all just anyways, you get what I'm getting at. Um, So today, speaking on relationships, breakups, everything in between, um, I'm not sure I'm like the best person to speak about this but I feel like I do have some good insight obviously I've been in some relationships um and so I feel like I don't know there's just a lot to be said on it so we might as well just jump in um so the first little prompt I have on here is having desires to be in a relationship but not rushing um which a lot of women single women can attest to having this feeling um and having this desire in their heart. Uh, I think about Jeremiah 29, 11, and basically the Lord saying, um, for I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper prosper you and not harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Um, and I feel like that's important to understand uh, as an overall like verse that could go along with this prompt um, that my friend Stella had actually, I wouldn't, well, I guess I would say taught taught me, um, told me that, uh, like, obviously God places desires in your heart. So these things that you're desiring, it doesn't even have to be relationship-wise, but we're, we're talking about relationships, so we'll talk about that. But, like, wanting to be in love, wanting to have children, wanting all these things, like, God places those desires in your heart. So if you're trusting in God, I feel like, obviously, this is super simplified because everything's easier said than done but if you're trusting in God and you know he placed these desires in your heart you know he's going to fulfill them when it's time to fulfill them right so I feel like that is what helps me in simplified terms not try to rush a relationship Uh, I remember 
when I first, because I've had desires to be in love my whole life. Like, some people don't have this desire, which is actually crazy to me. I just figured out recently, not figured out because it's clear, but, like, you don't recognize, um, like, that people don't, well, maybe I'm speaking for myself. I don't recognize some people don't have the same desires and thought process as me. Like, obviously, I know people are in different places in their lives, but I always just assume everyone wants to be in love. And I talked with one of my guy friends a while back, and he wanted nothing to do with it. And I don't know if he was hurt um, in the past, but, like, some people genuinely just don't want that, and that's fine. Um, God didn't place that desire there. He didn't see the need. So I don't know. Uh, but... I used to try to rush things, um, or I wouldn't even say I tried to rush things, but I was fearful when I realized how strong my desire to be in love was that I would rush it. And I remember praying to God, like, please don't let me rush into any relationship with a good person that isn't good for me. Because I feel like I don't know. As a as a woman of God, it's very easy to come across very good men in this community. Um, and I feel like you may rush into things because it seems so good. And not that it won't be good, but better isn't always best. And just because someone's better than your last or even just good at all doesn't mean that they're the best out there for you. And so I used to pray that God would like allow me patience and not rush into things. And so this also goes into my next little snippet on this is I was listening to an Emma Chamberlain podcast. I wish I knew which one it was, um, but I've actually only listened to one of hers. And I don't know why, because this stuck with me for so long. But she had mentioned not like not not trusting someone, but not opening up to someone or like admitting that you like them for the first four months of thinking you like them. Um and let me just say, she was spot on with the four-month mark. Like, everyone is good in the beginning. Everybody seems so nice, so sweet, um, likable, even ourselves. Like, you don't even realize. Not that it's necessarily a show, but everyone is just better in the beginning. And that four-month mark is when you see people's true colors. And it's not always that they're necessarily bad. Um, they just probably don't fit you like the way you thought they did, the first four months, you're kind of messing with the potential that you put on this person, right? Um, like, oh, I see that they're nice. I see that they have a good family life. I see that they're funny and they like the things that I like or so they say. And you kind of just like, I feel like it's just human nature to put this huge potential expectation over someone's head before knowing them. And that four-month mark is right around when you can tell if it's going to work or not or if you truly like them. And I have stopped myself probably with three men that I have talked to before after listening to that podcast. And there have been nights or days or whatever that I am like, you know what, I think I'm like actually developing a crush on this person. And it's very hard to stop yourself, believe me, I know, especially when you're lonely, um, but I'm like, you know what? I'm going to give it that four month mark. And I promise you every single time without fail that four month mark, I'm like, thank you, Jesus. I did not tell that person I liked them. And it sounds crazy, but I encourage anyone listening to try it because it's so true. And on top of that, 
there's no reason that we should not just be friends with people initially. And I feel like that stops a lot of the rushing. I also made it another rule for myself. I have so many rules. Um, They're not actual rules, but I try to abide by them because it helps me out in the long run and I found them helpful. But anytime I meet someone, even if they're trying to pursue me to initially start up as friends, I feel like there's so many times that people, like I said, mess with that potential you see in the first four months and you think that you could like someone and you realize that you would have been way better off as friends. I know that I've talked to multiple of my friends and we all wish that like a few of our relationships, uh, our past relationships or our past talking stages, we would have never involved our feelings because we would have been really great friends with these people. We just shouldn't have had our emotions attached. Um, And I feel like you... If you just start off as friends with someone and you express that, like, hey, let's get to know each other on a friendship level, first of all, it's so much less pressure. Like, it's so casual. You get to learn someone as, like, a friend, a son, a worker, like, all these things that I feel like when you say you're going to pursue someone, they don't necessarily show you that side um, and aren't as open about it. I don't know, or as casual, like I said, but if you just open the door to a friendship first, for one, you have a really good friend that you're not going to lose due to your emotions getting involved. And like I said, at that four-month mark, if you decide, hey, we probably won't be a good match, you never even had to have that talk. Like, you you initially said, let's just be friends and see where this goes. I just, I don't know. When people automatically pursue someone, for one, which I understand, like, you can, you feel like you can see something in them, but most oftentimes, people are pursuing people they've never met. So you know nothing about this person, and you are just automatically from the jump saying, I want to pursue them. You don't know anything about me. Like, I always ask people, like, what do you like about me? And they don't say anything except you're pretty, and you're funny, and you seem nice. Okay, and so is every other woman walking on earth. Like, come on, be serious. Uh, So those are little ways that I stop myself from rushing. Um, Because as, I wouldn't say I'm lonely, but I am alone. Um, And sometimes it does feel lonely, especially when you desire to be in love. So it is easy for my mind to trick me into, like I even notice, and I feel like this is universal, men and women everywhere. Um, When you see somebody that you, you think like, oh, that'd be a good match for me without knowing truly that it's a good match for you. Um. I feel like you just like imagine your whole future with them. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like I've heard other people say that. And so my mind will trick me into like thinking that I know this person and I have no clue. Like we could have one good conversation of like, oh yeah, like I could imagine us having kids together. And it's like, shorty, take a break. Like you do not know anything about this person. Um, So those are, those are little rules that I do use to try to stop myself from rushing. Obviously it's worked. Um, I don't know. It's worked for me this far, to be honest. Uh, The next little snippet that I would say about not rushing is stop setting expectations or goals um, on a timeline of like when you think you'll get married or have kids. I know it's like a huge question people ask you when you're younger, like how do you want to be when you get married and when you have kids? And we all set these outrageous numbers that now looking back, you're like, I thought I was going to be married at 19. Like, girl, get real. And to be fair, as a Christian, that's not far-fetched. Um, that's actually pretty common. But for me, I don't know what I would have done being married at 19. I had no business being married at 19. Props to anyone that can do it. Because at 19, 
girl, I was probably still making Kool-Aid. Like, I was a child. Um, But when you put those expectations, I had a friend once say expectation is uncertainty, which I felt like was really good, like a really good way to explain it because you're so uncertain and you're setting these expectations that will probably never be met. Um, And if they are, it's still not going to meet up to the way you want them to. Like, expectations are never met. Even if they are met, you're going to wish that it was something different, if, if you get what I'm saying here. Um, but when you set those standards, it just like leaves room for you to be dissatisfied, um, or feel let down that it didn't happen or that maybe you went wrong somewhere. And so like me saying, oh, I wish I, I want to have kids by like 30 and then say, I don't even find my husband till 29. Like, am I seriously going to try to rush to get married and like have children in a year? Like that's so dramatic. Uh, this, this whole timeline thing, like God knows the best timing for you. And so you setting up this whole agenda, for one, it's not going to make God want to work in your favor for it. Like, trust me, he's not going to be like, you know what, Brody, your timeline seems a lot better than mine. Let me switch this up. No. He knows what you need when you need it. He will provide. He's a provider. Um, I feel like the overall answer to this is just trusting God, which is super simplified and super easy to say rather than to do. But if you know in your heart that God does what he says he will do, if he places these desires in your heart, he's going to fulfill them. And I feel like it's so much easier. Like, obviously, everybody always says, as soon as you stop searching, you will attract or all these other things. And I don't think that's far-fetched. I feel like that's actually pretty, pretty spot on. Uh, Because I even noticed that I'll think that I've stopped looking for a relationship but like I still have my eye out there like, oh, it's like like those it's like one eye open when I'm sleeping. Like that's me. Like I will literally think, oh, yeah, like I'm so cool off a relationship. I don't need it. And then as soon as I see a cute boy, I'm like, well, what about him? Like, God, is that the one? Did you did you tell him to come into this restaurant so he'd see me? Like is it's all that stuff. Like when you truly just focus on yourself, which is another huge thing, like you are never going to be single and like on your own again. So I feel like it's so important for you to like just relax and enjoy these moments. Me and my friends were talking the other night, like you can only be on your own for like this part of your life. Like if you have a desire to be married and you get married, you're going to have to consult with another person about what you do for the rest of your life. Enjoy this. Enjoy waking up and getting your iced latte and going thrift shopping. Enjoy doing little things that you love to do. Enjoy spending money only on yourself. Enjoy watching your favorite TV shows instead of like splitting time. Like there is a time and a place for everything in your life and I feel like we try to rush marriage or relationships and so many people spend their adolescent life in relationships and you I wouldn't say you miss out on a lot um I mean maybe depending on the relationship but I feel like you just rush it when there's beauty in being single and I know it's hard to see because you have a desire to be in love but that day will come and it's okay to be single and have single friends that like to have fun and to do fun things and to know that your time will come and you're in a waiting period and that's that's okay but in your waiting period you don't have to just wait like I don't have to sit around and say uh I'm so lonely I'm just gonna watch romance movies and 
pray I find my husband. Like you can you can be happy being single. And I feel like people don't recognize that or think it's a bad thing to be happy being single. And I'm not saying like go out and like waste people's time and entertain like a billion men. But like it's okay to be happy being single. Um okay, that was really long. I did not need to say all of that. Uh Okay, my next little snippet on here is what to look for in a man. Um, Between being equally yoked, knowing your boundaries of what you can do and what you can't. Um, And what I mean by that is like your own personal boundaries. Um, So the equally yoked thing. This gets tricky because I thought I knew my own thoughts on this. And I had a talk with my friend Taylor when we tried to record our first podcast. And she threw me off. In all, in such a good way. Um, But I had this huge idea of being equally yoked and what it looked like and what it embodied and all these things. And when I was explaining it to them, because I actually had an experience with a man and I had thought, I just don't think I'm like on his level spiritually. I'd like to grow some more. Obviously, I haven't been a Christian like super, super long. And I don't know. He's been a Christian since, like, he's been in the womb. And uh, I just felt like there was more for me to learn, more for me to be taught. God was still working on me. And before I would pursue anything, I wanted to grow in my faith. And obviously, we were on the same page about it. He's like, yes, like, totally. Um, But when I was telling my friend about it, because, like, it's very easy to tell when people are lukewarm in their faith or say, because Christian is a very loose term. I believe. I believe Christian is a super loose term. Anyone can say they're a Christian. Anyone can say, like, I believe in Jesus and this and that. And they don't, like, follow the lifestyle that you would want in a husband. Um, And so I choose to call myself a woman of God um, over a Christian. But I obviously do still label myself as a Christian. But we were talking and she was like, because I was like, it's so hard to find people because I just feel like they're not on the same spiritual level as me. And she was like, how do you determine that? Like, who are you to determine that? And I was like, taken back. And I was like, you know what? You're right. Like, who am I to determine that? Like, I found myself finding people and like questioning their faith when for one, who am I to do that? And for two, like she, my friend Taylor had mentioned, you may struggle in an aspect that this person doesn't struggle in. And they may struggle where you don't struggle. So you don't see, like, I may see one struggle in their faith aspect of life. And I'll be like, yeah, they're lukewarm. When every other thing about them is good. But because I don't struggle with the same thing they do, I don't necessarily consider them as strong as me spiritually. When I could struggle with something and they're like, no, actually, you're not as faithful as you say you are. And so I thought it was interesting to hear her say that because who are you and like who am I to like question somebody's faith and obviously like I said you can tell when people are lukewarm and maybe not not being truthful about who they really are uh faithful wise but like truthfully if you see good in somebody and you see growth and you see someone trying i the whole equally yoked thing, um, I feel like that's something just to pray about. I don't feel like it's something that should be as big a deal as people make it, especially from me. I I was confused into that. Um, 
when I've been on the side of being confused on my belief before and I have always still watched Christian couples. I've listened to Christian podcasts um, even before I was a believer and I always admired it. I always thought it was super attractive for a man to be a man of God. And so if I would have found one and for him to be like, mm, no, nah, girl, you're not, you don't love God enough. Like, you can't tell me I don't. Now, granted, back then you probably could have, but you could have led me to him. You could have grown my faith. I feel like if there's a foundation there, it can it can be built stronger. Um, so I feel like the equally yoke thing, my friend Taylor really put that into perspective for me in a great way. Um, on to boundaries. This one gets tricky uh, because everyone's boundaries are obviously super, super different. Um and that's okay. Not everyone needs the same boundaries, right? But um, for me, I would say, I don't know. I wouldn't say I struggle with like a lot, a lot. But there are things as a Christian, woman of God, all that stuff that we talk about um, that you may want to avoid. Obviously, if you're waiting till marriage. I A big one I would say is waiting, not waiting, sorry, um, not hanging out past certain times of the day uh which to non-believers that's gonna be like what like you sound crazy girl and I get it I totally get it but I just feel like hanging out especially alone um in a room especially uh isn't putting yourself in the best place it's kind of like let's play with sin and play with temptation and pray we don't actually fall into sin um, and it's like, you could have avoided that altogether. I feel like it's kind of a red flag for a man to be like, yeah, I'm a man of God. And then you notice that they're always asking you to hang out at like 10 PM. And I'm like, wait a second. And I'm not saying that that's like, that that's their intentions, but I feel like a true man of God wouldn't put you in that situation. Right. So. And, and fellas, that goes for a woman of God, too. Um, I don't feel like we should be putting ourselves in that situation. Um, now, if you, which I'm not even going to say if you think you can handle it. If you know that you can handle those types of situations and, like, you don't struggle with lust, you don't struggle with any of that, go for it. Like I said, we all have different boundaries. We all know what we're capable of. Um, but I feel like it's important to know your weaknesses and your strengths in this situation and communicate it up front because you don't want to sit there and be like oh yeah like let's talk and get together and then they which I also feel like is important because we do struggle with different things and we do have different boundaries and you can have a different boundary from the person you're interested in and obviously if someone else struggles with something different than me or has a different boundary than me I'm not going to relate, and so it's hard for us to comprehend things we don't relate to, um, which is why communication is super important, because if I'm like, hey, I don't think we should hang out past 8 p.m., and they're like, well, I'm really strong in that aspect of my life, and I'm not super lustful, so like, I think we'll be okay. Um, no, I'm not okay. I don't care if you're okay, because I'm not, so I don't want to do that. Um, so I feel like expressing that up front is definitely important. Okay. How to handle a breakup, this is tough um, because there's so many ways to handle a breakup, right? Uh, 
and there's so many different like little areas that you go through and like emotions uh so I actually went through a breakup about a year and a half ago I'd say and it was really crappy (laughs) all breakups are normally crappy I got broken up with um but I remember a girl on snapchat asking me like two months after the breakup like hey girl I got broken up with you look like you're doing so well like what did you do to get over it and obviously, in that time in my life, I was like, oh, girl, here's all this advice, da-da-da, listing it out. Not realizing that, like, I'm not even okay. Like, obviously, what she's seeing on the internet is all fake. And I feel like there's times in a breakup you convince yourself by what you post. Like, I will convince myself by what I post that I'm okay. And to be truthful, to this day, I'm still healing from that breakup. I think you'll be healing from your breakups forever and you'll continue to learn like what should have happened and where each of you went wrong and all these things um so it's just funny to me that like social media really is fake and not that this podcast is about social media but in breakups I feel like it's so important to avoid the media or avoid believing everything you see because especially as a woman, watching men on social media after breakups is detrimental to my heart because it's like almost embarrassing that like, hey, we were just together a year and a half and you're already talking to seven other girls. Okay. And I'm at home crying. Like we all know how that situation goes. The girls stay home crying and the men go do all these fun things. And truthfully, I think it's important to realize that like men struggle as well. That was where I had a problem in my last relationship was I knew that's what men do when they're upset is they run to things to avoid their problems. And so I remember talking to my sister and being like, hey, he has so much going on. Like, I really want to be there for him, even though like he just broke up with me and doesn't even want to talk to me. But I'm like, I know he's going through things like he's super upset. And that's why he's coping this way. And the best advice my sister ever gave me that time was don't do it. Like he didn't want you in his life, Brody. And I understand that you know why he's doing these things but you cannot be there for him and truthfully not to put our business out there but a few weeks later he thanked me for not being there for him because he realized all these things that if I would have just been there again he wouldn't have recognized um so ladies out there if you see your man your ex-man after a breakup doing those things just know he is not okay you texting him saying, why are you talking to so-and-so and so-and-so? Girl, he is coping. He is just as upset as you. You guys were in a committed relationship. That man is upset. I don't care if he says he's not. I don't care if his actions don't show he is. He is upset. Just know that. Um, but I do think that doesn't give either party an excuse for how we act during breakups. Because like I said, it's like universal. The guy goes out and he parties and he talks to girls and he has fun with his guys. And the girl stays home and cries. And neither of those are beneficial. Like, men are doing things they're going to regret. And a girl is wasting her time at home. Not saying that they need to switch and do the opposite. But I think, obviously, yes, it's important to mourn and be upset and express your emotions. Um, But like the men do, it is important to surround yourself with friends and to kind of distract yourself a bit. Um, Now, I found myself distracting myself 24-7 when I got broken up with. I literally remember texting 
all of my friends. And I was like, hey, guys, I can't be alone longer than five seconds. So we're going to set up a schedule and you guys are going to tell me when you can hang out. And I don't know that that's necessarily a bad thing, but I definitely avoided a lot of crying that I should have been doing alone because like I said it is super sad like breakups are sad um and it's okay to cry and it's okay to be sad that somebody left your life right so you can't spend all of your time being upset but you can't spend all of your time distracted either so I feel like it's important to recognize what both parties do in a breakup and find a happy medium um and I don't know I just it's also important because I I realized in my relationships that my sister had mentioned this to me too, my other sister, that breakups are almost easier when they end on bad terms because you can be mad at them and like you don't wonder where things went wrong because you're like, I know what they did and I'm upset and I'm mad and I'm never going to forgive them, Um, which forgiveness is key. Don't do that. But um, ending on good terms to me now is so important because... It's easy to be mad at people, and it's easy to never want to talk to someone again, but that is a whole other human that you shared a connection with, and I think on bad terms, I just, it doesn't make much sense to me, like, why would I want to be mad at someone that was so important to me, and just because you're not going to be important in that way anymore doesn't mean that I should care about you any less, um... Obviously, I'm not going to care about you as much as I will my future husband, but, like, I should never stop caring about your feelings and, like, how I would treat you as a human being because I care more about me being more content and not as sad because we ended on bad terms so I can be mad at you uh, logistically, I guess. Like, Like, my logic is, like, oh, he did me wrong, so... Yeah, we broke up, and I'm mad at him. I don't want to talk to him again. Instead of like, oh, yeah, like, we just didn't work out, and that's okay. Not every good thing carries on for the rest of your life. And understanding that. Um, so there's comfort in the fact that, like, you once had a relationship with this person rather than never having one with them at all. I feel like some people are like, you know what, I wish I never met you. And I've definitely been a victim to saying that. I will say, I wish I never met them. I wish I never fell in love with you because it would be easier. But for one, we'd never be who we are now if we didn't go through the breakups we've been through. Um, You learn a lot about somebody in a breakup. Not, I wouldn't say the first two weeks because that's when both parties are coping. But you realize who someone is. You see the relationship for what it was when you weren't blinded to the fact you're in love. And... I don't know, like I said, like everything we do in life is why we are who we are today. And if you spent a while and made a connection with this person, I feel like it is comfortable and there's peace in the fact that you knew them rather than not knowing them at all. I know, and and obviously I'm speaking from personal experience because my last relationship didn't end badly. My last relationship wasn't a bad relationship. We just... As I mentioned before in this podcast, better isn't always best. And we just weren't going to be the best for each other in the future. Um, We could have made it work, obviously. Like, I really truthfully think we could have got married and had children. But 
it wasn't the type of love I think either of us pictured in our future, um, which is okay. And I'm very thankful that we realized that no matter how we realized it, because obviously I got my heart ripped in half, but I was actually the one who ended up realizing in the long run that like, hey, this probably wasn't beneficial for my future. And um, I still find comfort in the fact that I knew him. I was blessed to have him in my life. He taught me many, many things. Um, So like I said, maybe I'm being biased because I didn't have a toxic last relationship. So it could be different for everybody. But um, okay, let's see, let's see, let's see. Um, We have knowing and understanding what a relationship should look like versus what the media tells you. Um, This one, I don't want to talk too much because I could go forever, but... I wrote this down because watching romance movies, like for one, I love romance movies and I love romance books and watching them, listening to them is so unrealistic. It drives me insane. I remember watching a movie the other day and being like literally watching a toxic guy cheat on his girlfriend, do her so wrong. And he obviously keeps coming back and making up with her and they get back together. But I remember being like, no, why is she leaving him? Like, he loves her, I can tell. And I'm like, girl, this show has made him look so good, even while making him look bad, that I'm wanting her to go back to this guy who did her so wrong and is never going to change. And the the media, and not even I'm not even talking like just movies and books, other couples and people on social media will convince us that toxic is good. And it's not, they will convince you that, people which I am not saying that just because something is toxic doesn't mean people are in love I believe that you can be in love with people that are toxic and that people can be toxic and be in love with you but that is not healthy they will have you thinking that everybody I have seen tiktoks where they're like I like my girls crazy um if he isn't tracking your location he doesn't care about you girl that is not healthy I don't care If you are a Christian, a non-Christian, if you are confused about your faith, that is not normal. No, that the things that the internet and the media and these books and these movies put out there is not real life. And it's so important to recognize that because if you keep comparing every relationship you have to what you're seeing on the internet and in books and movies, it is always going to fail or you are going to fall short or you are going to have lowered your standards. I am sorry. But on top of that, like, I, I've even found myself watching movies and be like, until I find somebody that brushes my hair the way that he's doing in that movie while playing this song, I'm not settling. Girl, you're never finding that. I promise you, you're never finding it. You may find somebody that does something way better for you. You may find someone who does things similar for you. But I used to pinpoint little tiny things that I would see and be like, yep, I want my husband to do that. And it's like, you're watching a movie. Like, this is so not realistic. Um, So it goes both ways. Like, expecting really, really, really high standards out of people based off this stuff. Or lowering your standards and becoming toxic. Like, I mean, truthfully, these movies and books are so toxic. Other humans are so toxic. And our generation has convinced us that that's normal these situationships and cheating and no man is loyal, which let's get into that because I didn't even write that down. But I used to be in a place in my life where I said, 
men are nothing. All men do is cheat. Men are good for nothing but cheating. Sister, that is the biggest scam in life. Here, Here is one thing that can put that to rest for you. If your mind right now, as a woman, if you can desire love and desire kids and want to be in love and and want all these things and you have this good heart and this good soul and you want the best for you and whoever you find to marry there is over seven billion people on this earth you cannot tell me that there's not at least one other person like you and that is when my mindset changed when I said you know what I need to just change the community I'm around I need to change the people I'm surrounding myself with because as soon as I did that, I found so many people like me and I find so many men that want the same thing that I do. And that doesn't mean that they're right for me or that we fell in love or we're married because I'm still very much single. But when you convince yourself that all men cheat and you're just in this sad girl era of life and it's never going to get better, you are never going to find what you had wanted initially because you're just so hurt. And it's okay to be hurt, but you need to heal from your hurt. You need to heal, and I don't mean like put a Band-Aid over a wound that needs surgery. Like you need to go to work and do some surgery on that wound. You need to heal up, and you need to prepare yourself for the next man who comes into your life. Because there is a man out there who wants the same thing that you want, and you will find him, especially if you trust God. Believe me, you will find that man. Do not sit here and think that all men are cheaters, and it goes for men too, because men love to say the same about women. Oh, you can't take any woman seriously. No, I'm not hearing it. Yes, you can. There are so many people out there wanting the same thing that you want, and you will find it. So quit talking about each other, because it's rude. (laughs) But... um. Okay, next thing we got to hear is thinking long-term versus temporary void being filled. Um, this is super important because it also has helped me from rushing things. Um, I feel like this all goes into rushing things. But I, we all do this. We all are filling temporary voids in our life without even doing it intentionally sometimes. Um, but... I feel like if you would look at some of the people you're interested in and talking to right now um, and just be like, hey, could I marry this person? Like, as they are now, like, could I marry this person? Like, yes, obviously people are going to grow in some aspects, but if you're, well, okay, marrying is pushing. Could I think long-term with this person based off who they are now? And if the answer is no, then your answer is no. Like, as for now. Um, So many times we mess with potential And you forget that like, hey, I'm dating to marry. This is like long term instead of like, man, I'm really lonely and sad. And like, obviously, this person coming into my life is making me feel good and filling a void of me being lonely and sad. Um, But maybe I shouldn't pursue them because like long term is probably not beneficial to me or the kingdom of God. Right. Um, Okay, just throwing that out there. it's actually how I realized with my ex um, that I didn't think it was going to work because I just kept thinking, like, I, the whole time, not the whole time, but parts of the relationship, I was thinking, like, hey, if he did this, 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 and this, then, yeah, I could marry him. But, actually, my friend Stella, again, had told me once, when you put expectations on people, it's more unfair to them than it is to you because they're never going to match up to them. I'm putting all these expectations on my ex-boyfriend And there's no way he's going to match up to them because their expectations and its potential. And that's not who he is. I'm like trying to say, hey, you'd be really cool if you did like X, Y, and Z. When he's just like, hey, 
I could be really cool being me. And yeah, you could be really cool being you, but that doesn't mean we need to be together. And I feel like people need to realize that. You need to realize that you can't say like, hey, he would be my perfect match if he communicated. Okay, well, how about you just hold off until you find your perfect match that communicates instead of saying to him, hey, try to communicate when obviously he's not very good at it. And that's not to say he couldn't get better, but until he gets better, how about you stop entertaining the fact that you want to be with him? Because until he gets better, you're going to be so frustrated at him in that area of his life that he's never even going to want to do what you're asking of him to do, right? No one wants to do anything when they're like, duh, bickered at all the time. Um, so think long-term when you are talking to these people. And I'm not saying, like, get down to the nitty-gritty, like, oh, he wears mismatched socks, so, like, I just don't want anything to do with that. It drives me nuts. Like, okay, there are things where people can grow and people can change. Um, Okay, moving on to our next subject, we're going to talk about how to be okay on your own before getting into that relationship. Um, I was listening to a little conference between Mike Todd and Don Cher. Oh, crap, I forgot their name, but she's married to a guy named Rich. Um, they're all pretty big in the Christian world. Um, and they were speaking about relationships and saying, on Judgment Day, we all have to stand before God as an individual and not a unit. Yes, the Bible begins with the marriage and ends with the marriage. And God obviously blesses unity and likes marriage, and he created all these good things through marriage. But I think even just saying when you go to get judged and God, like, looks over your life, he doesn't look at you in just you and this relationship. He looks at you as an individual. So what have you done? Have you worked on yourself? Have you healed yourself? Have you grown where you should grow? Have you, like done what you felt you were called to do for God, through God, for people? Like, have you done all these things independently? And I feel like people always say, and I fell victim of this too, like, man, when I get married or get in that relationship, life's going to be good. When I fall in love, like, I'm going to have it made. And I'm not there yet, but I can tell you from the people around me and from the people I hear talk about it, life isn't made. And yes, marriage is great and being in love is great. I'm not disclaiming or like disregarding any of that. It is so great. But your problems aren't solved. You don't become this great human. Just because you're in love and have this handsome man to come home to every night doesn't mean that like you have life figured out. It doesn't. And you never will. Um, so it's so important to realize that like you need to be kind of like a really cool individual before you can be a really cool spouse. And... People, people don't understand that. And I'm not, I don't mean like really cool to like be super casual and nonchalant about it, but like genuinely, like what have you done in your singleness? And like, have you prepared yourself? And are you okay being alone? Like that was another thing my sister had talked to me about. Hey, are, do you love yourself? And I was like, yeah, I, I look so good. I dress so good. I'm funny. And she was like, no, like, can you be in a room alone and like, be with your thoughts. Like, say you don't have a phone or a TV. And, girl, no. I could not. When when me and my ex broke up, I could not. And that is not healthy. It is not healthy to not be able to live with your own thoughts. And they don't even have to be, like, horrifying. But, like, even just enough to make you cry every time you're alone. 
girl, we need to figure this out. Um, and so it's so important to be okay being alone. And I don't mean just be okay, be great. Like I said earlier, it's okay to be happy that you're single. Now, obviously, a lot of people don't want to be single forever. I'm not saying you need to be like, man, I'm so happy being single that I don't even want to be married anymore, even though I still have that desire. Obviously, you still want to be married, and that's okay. But not even just be okay being alone. Be happy being alone. And when I tell you, when I healed myself and God worked through me and healed me, I am so happy being alone. I which don't don't get too far-fetched neither now because you don't want to only be alone and isolate yourself because that's when the devil be trying to tempt you. He be trying to tempt me, okay? You don't want to do that. You don't want to isolate yourself either, but I do love myself. What? Okay, that wasn't a lie, but I meant to say I love being alone so much that half the time I would rather be alone than go do stuff that I normally would enjoy doing. Now I get myself out of bed and I realize, okay, like, we need to go be social now. But I think it is important to, like, find things you love. Do you like drawing? Do you like podcasts? I love podcasts. I love YouTube. I love, like I said earlier, getting coffee and thrifting. Like, find little things you love and do them on your own and be independent and learn to be alone. Um, and then, then when a relationship comes, be ready, be prepared. Um, I had another friend tell me once when I was... Uh, talking to him and I had said something about kids and he was like do you know something and something about kids I can't even remember um and I was like no I'm gonna like wait till I'm like closer to wanting to have a kid like I don't even have a husband um to worry about that and he was like why you have all this time um and obviously like not saying you're not busy but you have all this time why don't you like prepare to be a wife and a mother now and I was like, you know, that's really good advice because why would I be sitting here and be like, you know what, let's just tackle that problem when we get there. Like, why would I not prepare myself to be a mother and a wife now when I know that's what I want to be, right? Like, just because you're single right now doesn't mean in this this season you can't be preparing for your future, right? Like, when you want a job, you get internships and you prepare and you study in school for that job. So why would you think that you could just find a boyfriend and automatically be a wife before studying how to be a wife um and by study I mean like biblically not like well I mean also you could study other ways like listen to podcasts listen to other people that are married talk to your parents about marriage talk to your guardian or people in your life um studying in that way about understanding because I know right now I don't even know the half of it about being a wife. I also don't know the half of it about being a mom. Like, being a first-time mom seems so scary, and I'm not prepared. So why would I not spend this time right now preparing instead of waiting until I'm pregnant and have nine months to figure out how to breastfeed? Like, that's let, like let's prepare ourselves for the future. But I got on a little tangent there. The initial conversation was how to be okay on your own. Um, so I think another important aspect of that is understanding God fills these voids you're trying to fill with another human being in your life. Um, I was reading in Hosea the other day. In Hosea 2.8, it says, For she has not noticed or understood nor realized it was I who had gave her the grain and the new wine and the oil. So on, so on, so forth. Um, and so God is talking, obviously, if you've read Hosea about Hosea, God had called Hosea to marry Gomer. Gomer was a prostitute. It's kind of like reflecting the relationship and the covenant between Israel and God and how, like, 
Israel just disobeys the heck out of God and God, they had created this covenant and God like still restores and forgives and like they come together at the end, yada, yada, and God blesses them. Um, so it says in there, obviously talking about Gomer, she has not noticed that God was the one who gave her this wine and oil. She had placed all these, um, worldly things and these materialistic things, the wine and the oil and all these things in her lovers and said like, you can't take these away from me. And God is saying, you don't realize that I'm the one providing these. And that's when my mindset switched when I read this. And I was like, how many times have you placed characteristics or idolized a person because of what they were doing for you and not even realized it was God doing it the whole time? For one, before you're even in this relationship, God is loving you. God is providing for you. God is blessing you, right? But even through this other human, God is doing those things, those same things. God is providing that love through that person for you. God is providing like their sweetness and lovingness and joyfulness to provide you gifts and acts of service and all these other things. That's God providing that for you. And I'm not saying that to be like, oh, he could take it away. But like, wouldn't you recognize that like because of God, this person is loving me this well instead of just like we're to throw the name Blake out there like oh, Blake loves me so much and buys me gifts. Like, Blake bought me this new iPad. I love Blake. Um, I feel like it's easier when you see that it was it was God moving through Blake, that Blake bought you the iPad. Um, that when something, if it does go wrong, um, and you guys do split up, you aren't, like, idolizing this person for what they did and be like, man, I'll never find another Blake because he gave me the best iPad ever. I know, this is being really nonchalant about this situation and, like, these metaphors aren't very good, but um, but instead being like, hey, you know what? God is still blessing me, and God still loves me, and God will provide me another person that's going to do the same thing, but probably better, because I'm going to find my husband in the next person I find, you know? Like, understanding God is the one providing these things for you, and he's providing them through that person, but even without a person, God is providing you with so much, and that goes, like, to it goes into being okay, being alone. Um, because if you read your Bible and like listen to what God has done for us, like sin his own one and only son, like there's enough proof for you right there. But like this, God loves you like more than I could even describe, obviously, because I'm a human with this tiny little human brain comparatively to God's great, wondrous brain. Um, but like there's so much power in the fact that like some like something loves you right now and you may feel like you can't feel it or see it or hear it but if you would open your bible I promise you could do all three and it would really change your viewpoint maybe not fully because obviously you have the desire to be in love um but it would really change your viewpoint on like being alone and being okay being alone when you realize that like what you're searching for you already have right here in your hands and like literally search no further um but that's that's my little take on that. Um, next we have, have you ever been in another vulnerable relationship before getting into one you're in now? Um, and they were talking about this in the conference I talked about earlier with Mike Todd and them. Um, and they mentioned it because the girl, Don Cher, was speaking and said, if you aren't in any vulnerable relationships right now, like if you don't have any friends or family members or anybody right now that you can get vulnerable with, you are not going to make it in your next relationship because how do you expect someone, especially a man of God or woman of God, to come into your life and speak truth and guide you and lead you and, and spread wisdom into you 
if you've never even been vulnerable with another human, and, and I can attest to this, I struggle being vulnerable now. And when she said this, obviously I've gotten better, but I'm not where I should be. And when you think about it, it's so true to think, if I've never been vulnerable with anybody else in my life, how do I expect to like have this person who I'm supposed to be most vulnerable with speak to me if I've never had someone in my life spread truth to me and I've never had a friend where they're like, hey, Brody, I know this is going to hurt for you to hear, but you are not doing this right and you should be doing this instead. And if no one's done that for me, I'm going to question everything my husband does when he tries to spill truth to me. And the same goes for, for men as well when they have a woman of God. Like, if you have never had someone you could be open with and cry to and tell your deepest, darkest secrets with, like, how do you expect to be a husband or a wife to someone if you've never even had these experiences? Like like I said earlier, mentioning a job, you need experience and you, and you need internships and all these things. Like, not saying you have to be in, like, seven other relationships to be in a good one, but you need to have some sort of vulnerable relationship prior to getting married to be able to be healthy for this person. Um, because I just, like, how are you going to be able to receive and react to this person telling you truth and guiding you and leading you and, and being, like, spiritually leading you um, in the correct way, in the correct form? Because I know for me personally, if I'm not vulnerable with people and no one's spilling truth to me, I get super defensive super quickly when someone does try to criticize what I'm doing and they could say it in the nicest way possible and I will still find damage in it even when it wasn't supposed to be damaging um, because I, I don't put myself in uncomfortable situations um, vulnerability-wise and you have to do that. And when she was speaking on it, I was like, yo, this is powerful because it's so true. And she was like, my husband does things for me and obviously I know he wants the best for me so I'm never questioning his intentions but that's because prior to this I had super vulnerable relationships with my friends and I'm super glad I have them now which still granted like I said I can always be better because I'm not super vulnerable with my friends and all my friends know that um but they always push me to be better and they always support me um so it's important to know you need those relationships whether it's a friend whether it's just one like you, it can be just one. I know I have one really good friend that I share, like, literally secret sins with. Like, sins that you probably wouldn't share with anybody else besides God. And you're like, hey, I don't even trust telling my dog this. You, you need to. <laughs> you need to have those friends. And I, and I have a small few, but I can think of one right now that I have. And, and you need it. It's so important. Um, okay. That got a little deep, but... My, my next thing I have on here gets a little tricky because they were talking about in this conference about people being single. And it goes into who should initiate. Um, and I think that goes into our generation overcomplicating things. There's not necessarily a right answer to this. Uh, and the fact that, like, obviously, biblically, I think a man should pursue, but that op we always talk about a woman should show they're available. But I don't think a woman should be so naive into thinking that she couldn't tell someone they're cute she couldn't I don't know dm someone and say something like corny and funny like have some fun with dating Christians always and I find myself victim to this as well I've said that so many times but I want you guys to know I'm involved in this um 
and I'm not just speaking from the outside and being like, you guys are weirdos. Like, no, I'm included. Um, but I have thought like, oh, men pursue, I'm going to be super duper quiet and hope that he notices. I liked his picture that he posted five seconds ago that every other woman is liking because it's on the timeline. Um, no, if you see a guy out and you're like, Hey, I want to tell him he's cute. Tell him he's cute. Leave your number, do something. And you don't even just have to let them know you're available, but like show them you're interested. Um, have some fun with it. Be funny, be yourself. Um, be outgoing. I don't know. Like I said, have fun with it. I don't think there's any right or wrong way to go about showing someone you're interested in them. Um, I do think if a man doesn't show you that he's interested to not pursue it. I see videos on the internet all the time when people be like, hey, sisters in Christ, if this guy has not expressed that he's interested in you, he is still your brother in Christ. And ladies, yes, that is so true. Men will go after the things that they want. And believe me, if he is not showing interest, there's a reason why. I'm not even saying that that means he's not interested. He is either talking to another woman. Um, he has something holding him back. He has something. A man will show you when he's interested. Because I don't know, sometimes women don't show when they're interested. And like will ex- and like will expect you to know. And then when you come around like five years later, they're like, oh yeah, I really liked you back then, but I wasn't going to tell you. No. If you show interest in a man and he does not show you interest back and, like, doesn't pursue you, stop. Just stop. Leave it right there. Leave everything where it was at because there's a reason it's happening. Men go after the things that they want, especially men of God, especially when they desire love. There is no reason except something is holding them back, and I don't know what that is. I can't speak for everybody, but anyways, that, that got off tangent a little bit, but there's no right or wrong way to make a first move. Um, now, this may be me being biased. It's my personal opinion. I don't think if a woman's making the first move, it should be super duper strong. Like, I don't think you should be like, hey, here's my number. Let's go on a date. You're super hot. Like, I don't know. I don't think you should be like overwhelmingly strong. Um, but I do think it's important for a woman to know especially Christian women, like, hey, you can you can say some things and not just be like, hey, I'm single, but like, you can be like, hey, you're really cute. Here's my number. We should do something sometime. Or like, hey, I'm free Wednesday. What are you doing? Things like that. Um, okay. This next little thing I have in here, I have because I fall victim to this so many times. I'm so sorry. If you could count how many times I've said that in this, we would run out of fingers on our hands. Um, but not getting so comfortable with people so quickly that you allow them to invade your privacy. And I feel like I do this, and it's not even that I get comfortable with people, but I try to involve people that I'm talking to in places where I'm already comfortable, in my house, in my room, at night, doing things like that um, around my family, things like that, because it's easier for me to open up and I get really nervous on like first dates or first hangouts that I try to put myself in a comfortable situation. And I realize when I do that, and I realized this recently, that I'm allowing this person into my personal space and into my private life that they have like not deserved access to. And I'm not saying that in a mean way, like, oh, you don't deserve this, but you're new to my life. You don't deserve to be involved in my nighttime routine. You don't deserve to be sitting on my bed. You don't deserve to be around my family. You don't deserve to be in my house. And I'm saying that in, like, the most humble way possible. And it goes for everybody. Like, they don't deserve to be in your house either. Um, because I realized that, like, 
you put yourself in a situation where you're seeing parts of people and they're seeing parts of you that you shouldn't be seeing right now. Like I've known you for two weeks through the phone. We shouldn't be like brushing our teeth together. And because first of all, you're going to get a major ick. Like, and I'm speaking from experience and I don't get icks. Um, like where they're like, oh, what's your one ick that like you can't get over? No, I don't get icks, but I've realized that like when I allow people to invade my privacy and I'm doing it on my own, like I'm fessing up. Um, but when I do it, it turns me off. Um, because as a woman of God, like, I mean, most, most women of God aren't even going to be sleeping in the same bed or living with their husband until they're married. So for me to invite someone over to, because I think I'm more comfortable, truthfully, it's becoming uncomfortable as heck because you're not supposed to be here. (laughs) You are not supposed to be in my room right now. And I'm not saying that like you can't ever hang out in your room, but I'm saying like the first few times you're hanging out, I, I would have people over to my house or hang out with me or be around my friends and my family. And it's like, no, They don't need access to this part of your life yet. Like, that is something that people earn. And I would never expect, like, someone else to do that for me. And I get that it seems comfortable, but it turns you off so quickly. And and I've done it multiple times, and I have actually ended up ending talking stages because of it. And it's my own fault, and I feel bad, but, like, I can't come back from it. Like, you were not supposed to be here. And I know I did it, and it's my fault, and I apologize, but I've learned to never do it again because of that. Um, those things are deserved. Those things are earned. Those things happen once you're already comfortable. Like, putting someone you're not comfortable with into a place you're comfortable is only going to make you more uncomfortable with them. Like, you wait till you're comfortable with that person to involve them in your comfortable, safe spaces. Um, okay. That's we'll let that be that. I have a few Instagram questions that I was going to answer. Um, I don't have any notes for these, so I'm just going to answer them really raw. I'm going to be pretty short with them um, because a few of them I've already touched on. But someone said how to know when to break up. Um, I'm not the best advice giver on that because I've only broken up with a few people. And I say that like I've been in a million relationships, but I've only been in a few serious ones. And I wouldn't say I've broken up I've only broken up with one person in one serious relationship um the other I wouldn't say there were serious relationships but I feel like if you constantly find yourself comparing or thinking outside of your relationship what someone else could be is a definite sign that you should break up with someone um I know in my relationships obviously there's always going to be someone prettier someone more handsome someone funnier and I don't say that in a rude way um but nobody's perfect there's always going to be something better out there but that doesn't mean that you aren't going to think that what you have is best if that makes sense so when you're confident in your relationship you are never going to question well I think that guy over there might like I said earlier communicate better I think that guy over there might be a little bit funnier you're never going to question that when you're content with who you're with um and if you are I think it's a direct indicator that you should be breaking up with this person Because as mentioned earlier, you're messing with their potential because you're still questioning, is there something else better out there for you? If you're ever questioning, is there better out there for you? Get out of the relationship you're in right now because it's very unfair to both parties. Um, That's really my only advice on that because I've only broke up with one person before. So (laughs) Um, 
let's go to how do you know when you're ready for a relationship? Um, we've kind of talked about this all throughout this podcast, but I think the major one is being okay, being alone and not searching and not like just not saying you're searching, but like genuinely not searching, being happy, being single, being content, not looking for a relationship everywhere you go, not being like, I might find my husband at this restaurant. Um, things like that indicate that you are ready for a relationship. And like I said, preparing yourself, not even just being happy, being alone, but preparing yourself. Like, do you know how to act when it comes down to an argument in a relationship? Have you studied other couples? Have you studied, I don't know, certain things in a relationship that are beneficial to like the strength of relationships? I think that's how you would know if you're ready. I think also praying about it is a huge one, like praying, hey, God, like weigh in on my heart where I need to fix, what I need to be better at, where I should grow at to be ready for a relationship. Um, okay, advice on setting boundaries in a Christ-centered relationship. We kind of touched on this earlier, but how to set them? feel like it's majorly important to talk about them pretty early on. I had had a talk with my girlfriends before about as a woman of God, do you tell someone like, hey, I'm waiting for marriage. Hey, I don't really go out to clubs and get drunk like super early on, like first date or like later down the road when it comes up. And we all kind of came to the conclusion that you should tell them pretty early on. I'm not saying like first date, like before they ask any questions, but you should be getting to know someone pretty early on. And I feel like communicating what because I mean obviously if they know you're a Christian I'm assuming you're going to involve yourself with another Christian or a man or woman of God um that they would know your lifestyle a little bit but like actually showing them hey this is like proof like this is what I do this is evidence I'm giving you my word of mouth like this is this is my lifestyle these are my boundaries these are things I struggle with this is what I find appropriate for me and my life um to do that pretty early on so I feel like we talked about earlier, like, what boundaries could be and what maybe they are versus what they aren't. And I feel like advice on setting them and, like, telling the other person would just be to communicate and be pretty authentic and raw about it and not hide anything. Because hiding what your boundaries are will cause someone to overstep them, um, which overstepping boundaries is a no-no. Um, how to approach social media pre, during, and post relationships. This one is tricky for me because... Although I'm on social media and I kind of like it, I also really hate it. Um, it's so dramatic. I feel like if you're even stressing about what to post and when to post, it's an indicator that there's something wrong in this relationship and that you guys need to have a really lengthy talk. Um, I've been in a few relationships where the guy is like, oh, I'm not really on social media. That's why I'm not posting you. BS, 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 BS alert. My BS alert is going off because it's BS. Um, I don't want to be that girl because I don't know everybody in the world and I don't know every relationship but for the ones that I've been in the ones that I've heard about if a man is not posting you something's off um no granted if he's not on social media at all and he doesn't post at all whatever but I had people tell me they don't post on social media and I watched them post on social media and there was always an excuse men post what they're proud of in relationships if you are dating to marry I don't understand why if you're in a serious committed relationship and you tell this girl and you open her into your life, and you've introduced her to your family, and all these other things that, like, you do in a relationship, indicating we're in a committed relationship, why you wouldn't want to show the world this girl, and you value this girl, why you wouldn't want to show that off? Men will show off trophies, they will show off sports, they will show off 
TV shows are interested in. They will show off their friends. They will tell people happy birthday. They will do all these things on social media except post their girlfriend. And I'm sorry, that's weird. Um, men show off the things they're proud of. I will just say that. Um, and I will say women do it as well. This I, I would like to say everything that I've talked about in here goes for men and women equally. Men and women are different, but we're also pretty similar. And this is one of the things we're similar in. We show off the things we're proud of. It's in our human nature. So if these people are not posting you, I think that's very odd. And I think you should have a conversation about it. And I think that you should show them this podcast and say, Brody said this. And if they say, who's Brody? You tell them that she knows what she's talking about in this situation because she's experienced it. Um, And I would like to give a disclaimer. I am no longer with these people that have done these things to me. And they have apologized because there was reasons why they weren't posting me. Um, that also goes to say that I don't think that you should be posting people 24-7. I don't think that if you're like, hey, you posted your bestie today and not me, what's going on? Like, if social media is becoming that traumatizing and, like, deteriorating to your relationship, have a conversation. Be a grown-up. Like, we are we are grown. It is 2022, about to be 2023. Have a conversation. Like, social media should not be running your relationship. You shouldn't be worried about what you can post, what you shouldn't post, all these other things. Like, there's so many things we could be doing except worrying about social media. Okay. What type of questions do you ask your partner about the future? This one's simple for me. Everything. Everything you find important. Everything you think they'll find important. Kids. How many kids? Names of your kids. Uh, where do you want to live when you're older? I mean, down to the nitty-gritty. Like, I think it's so important to figure out what your partner wants in the future because it can be a huge indicator of whether you're going to last. Um, if you find out that your partner wants to get a job in London and you want to live in Iowa, yeah, that's major. We need to talk about that. And I'm not saying you need to talk about it early on, but I do think, because obviously when you develop feelings for someone, that's subject to change. Um... I might not want to move to London anymore, and I may want to live in the cornfields of Iowa with you because I love you. But I do think it's important to talk about everything, like everything that you find important in your future. I'm not going to pinpoint like one or two things because that would be my personal opinion of what I find important. But I think you should be talking about the things that are important to your future and ask them what's important to their future and kind of just matching up what you think is valuable. I also think it's important to notice in these like, don't lower your standards of your future because you like this person because there are people out there who are just like this person who also want the same future as you. I feel like it's so easy to get caught up in the fact of like I really like this person and so I'm going to lower my standards. If you want that job in New York and you want it really, really bad, you don't just give it up because this person that you have a crush on or that you think you like doesn't want you to go do it because the person who really loved you is out there and will allow you to follow those dreams and still be connected to you. Um, so talk about everything you find important. That's what I'm going to say for that. Um, how to love a guy and lead him to Jesus if he doesn't believe. I have another simple answer for this, and it's don't. Um, I talked about earlier being equally yoked, but if a man doesn't believe in Jesus, do not involve yourself if you are a woman of God, obviously we all have different boundaries and what we are willing to put up with. And I don't mean put up with in a bad way, but what our standards and our boundaries are for a man and his beliefs and his faith. And if you are a woman of God and you love Jesus and you're a little Jesus freak, just like me, you are going to get nothing out of this man who doesn't believe. And I'm not saying they're a bad person. And I'm not judging and I am not condemning. But 
they are not going to fulfill you in the way that you are looking for. It's one of those other expectation things. There is no indicator. Now, Jesus saves. That guy saves. He saved me. He saved you. He saved a bunch of people. And it's not to say this person that you're thinking of can't be saved, but involving yourself there and then putting all that pressure on yourself that you're going to lead him to Jesus, like God will work for that person. And you can pray for them and you can pray with them and you can ask them to come to church with you and you can ask them to do all these things. But there's no guarantee that they're ever going to find God. And it's sad to say because God does save and God does restore. But there's no indicator. And so messing with that potential is super scary, especially when you know I want a man of God. Um, so I would say stop searching. Like you, you end up in relationships with people where you find them at. So if you are going to the club to find your boyfriend, um, just know that's where you found him. So don't be surprised when he goes to the club every weekend when he's dating you. So if you're looking for a man of God, I would surround yourself in those communities and with those people and find him there instead of hoping to find him in other people where he's not, if that makes any sense. Um, I'm also speaking from experience there because I find myself looking for people that I'm interested in and thinking, oh, well, yeah, there's no indicator that they believe in God anywhere on their social medias or in their life. But maybe they do, and it's like, no, you would be proud of the good Lord man above. And you would be showing him off, just like I said, we show off things we're proud of. And we're all proud of Jesus over here. You would be showing him off. Um, okay, when is a good time to tell someone you don't have feelings for them anymore? Right when you have that thought is my response. Because you're doing no one a favor. I understand you're not trying to hurt anyone. Um, okay, wait, disclaimer. I have a friend who did go through some traumatic things um on like a anniversary of a like dead person's birthday like a really close family member that got really tricky and confusing for a second but they had a family member who had died and they got some like news that they were getting broken up with on this family member's birthday and that family member was obviously dead that is the time you don't tell somebody. If you have thoughts that you don't like someone, don't tell them on that day. Um, that is my one and only excuse. If you know that this day is already traumatic for them, don't make it any more traumatic. Wait till the next day. Um, but other than that, tell them as soon as you feel it. Um, you're not sparing anyone's feelings by waiting. You're actually making it worse. I've experienced this because I used to wait around until I lost feelings completely to tell somebody so it wouldn't hurt me as bad because I was a selfish little brat in my past relationships. We've learned, we grow, <laughs> we better, but um, you're not helping anybody. You're actually making it worse because this person, even though you may think that like you're giving off signs that, hey, I'm not interested and like I'm, I fell back. This person is probably so confused and so lost and you're making them feel like crap, like truthfully. You are making them feel like crap and they have no clue what they did. It is so important to communicate everything that is happening to you. Like you have committed to someone. You have invested in someone. And it's so important to realize you can't just throw that around and you can't just pretend that like you're all of a sudden just friends because you lost feelings. Like you need to tell that person. You need to let them know what's going on. You decided to commit to them. So you need to commit to being an adult and communicate. Okay, I'm not here to throw shade, and I'm not a preacher, but I am preaching. Okay, 
we have one more question, um, and it's how has a relationship with the Lord helped you change the way you view relationships? I would say it's affected it a lot in the fact of, like I said earlier, I used to think men aren't crap and all men are going to cheat on me. And I have realized, like, literally the love I have for my future husband that I don't even know yet is remarkable because I just know God has something so good for me and I trust him so much uh, that I'm so excited for my future husband. Like, I just know it's going to be great. I know he's going to love me to death. I'm going to love him to death. Um, God, if you're listening, send him whenever I'm so ready. <laughs> but um, He's probably like, girl, no, you're not. But it's changed me in so many ways that, like, love is exciting again. And love's always been exciting, but, like, it's exciting in the fact that I know it's good. Our generation makes love look so bad and it sounds so bad and it's never going to be good and there's no hope. And I have so much hope and faith in my relationship and in my marriage and with my kids. I'm so overwhelmed with joy. And obviously it's because I know I'm already loved. And I know the love I'm capable of giving and the love that I deserve. And... I think that's another major thing is it showed me what I deserve and not to lower my boundaries or standards due to liking someone. You're going to like a lot of people in your life. That doesn't mean that you need to involve yourself with them. It's so important to know that. You do not need to involve yourself with someone because you like them. You're going to like so many people. So many people are likable. There's 7 billion something people on this earth. You're going to like a bunch of them. But that doesn't mean you involve yourself, right? Um... And so when someone is showing you that they're lower than your standards or they're crossing your boundaries or they're they're just not fit for you, then you roll with that. You don't just say, well, I really like them, so I'm going to lower my, my standards. No, you're not, sis. You're going to raise your standards a little higher because obviously those standards you set, you were questioning. You're going to set them up a little bit higher to where you know, hey, these are my standards. This is what I'm going to abide by. Um, I think every woman and man should have a list in their phone of like non-negotiables, um, to be honest. And by non-negotiable, that means you don't negotiate. It doesn't matter who this person is because people are tricky and your mind is tricky and sin is tricky and temptation is tricky and Satan is the trickiest. And so it will confuse you into thinking these people are are worth lowering your standards and they're not. Because when you're by yourself, you know what you deserve. And so since having a relationship with the Lord, I've recognized what I deserve and not just what I deserve, but what I deserve because I'm capable of giving the same thing back. I deserve communication because I'm capable of giving it back. I'm, I know a lot of people that are like, hey, I deserve this. But they aren't willing to give anything back to this other person, like this receiving party. And that's not fair. You can't say, hey, I want you to respect my love language and love me this way, but I don't understand yours, so I'm not going to do it. No, that's not how this works, girl. Um, so not even just knowing my deser- what I'm deserving of. But, like, knowing what I'm capable of giving out um, for others to receive, I feel like the Lord has really shown me um, since having a relationship with him, like, how I view them. I also kind of, like, view them as as it is a covenant um, under God. And it's very important to recognize, like, to me. And I also, I think a lot of people, even non-believers, view, like, a relationship this way. But divorce is not an option for me. And I don't mean that in like, oh my gosh, he's abusing me. Um, I can't leave. Like, obviously, divorce is a 5% option for me. But I would hope I wouldn't get into a relationship with somebody that would do that. Now, granted, I know that those things happen and no one did those things intentionally. So I'm giving myself some 5% like <laughs> breathing room. But 
Divorce isn't an option for me. We work things out. We figure things out. We do this together. We are a team. It is us against the problem, not not me against you. Um, so, yeah, I feel like, obviously, you can see from me speaking, the Lord has really done a lot for me in the way I view relationships. Um, I had a pretty good view of relationships before, but it wasn't as strong as this. It wasn't as hopeful. It wasn't as firm in the foundation, I think it is, of, like, what I believe a relationship should look like. And, like, I feel like I'm no longer settling. I feel like in a few relationships I've had and talking stages I've had, I've really settled and thought this is, like, like not even this is as good as it's going to get, but, like, I don't trust God enough to give me what is best for me, and I'm so scared that I may miss out on it. So I'll just keep this because this is better than nothing. And I encourage all of you to know that what you're in right now, if you don't think it's the best for you, it's not better than nothing because I'm really, really happy right now. And if I would have stayed in a few of those other relationships, I promise you I would have been stressed out. I would have had stress, acne all over my face. I would have been not sleeping. I would have been, girl, traumatized. So it's important to realize that if you trust God, and I know that there's better out there, and just because it's not here, and just because I can't see it, and I can't feel it, and I can't hear it, I know it's coming, I know it will come, to understand that settling in this little waiting period with somebody that I know isn't worthy of my time, um, and I don't mean, when I say things like that, like not worthy, I don't mean like they're not worthy, like they're a bad person, but like, They're not worthy because they aren't fitting my standards. And that's okay because they'll fit someone else's. But they aren't fitting my standards. So I can't keep playing around with this because I'm prolonging what I know is better for me. And I'm just wasting someone else's time and wasting mine. Like, you know there's better out there for you, but you don't trust God enough to bring it. So you're just going to hold on to this and waste both of your guys' time because you're so scared you won't get what's better for you. And I promise you, if you continue doing that, you're never going to get what's best for you because because you're just waiting and holding on to this thing that was never meant for you. Um, so God showed me that because I used to do that. I used to settle. I used to settle um, and convince myself that like, hey, if I never find something better, this is better than being alone. And I feel like it's important to realize that's not better than being alone. And it may be better than being alone for you because you can't be alone right now. Which is why you need to go back and listen to the beginning of this podcast where I speak about how you can be alone and be happy. (laughs) Um, Okay, that's all we have for today. That, I feel like, was pretty good for the first podcast. I'm hoping it wasn't too long. I'm hoping you guys can make it through my um, nasal surgery that needs to be happening as of five minutes from now because I cannot breathe through my nose and I know I sound so bad. I'm so sorry. I already apologized, but I'm apologizing again. Um, Yeah, that's all I have. I'm not going to lie. So I will talk to you guys in my next podcast. Thank you for listening. Um, And yeah. <laughs>